0: Man, how much do you listen to this stuff? Is this just in your head? Sometimes it's in my head, but I'll tell you what, it always gets around to good thinking. Enjoy! Welcome to Critical Thinking for Everyone!
1: Hi everybody! We are back with a new show and new ideas and new things to kick around.
0: Yeah, we're kicking around some stuff. I don't know how much of it's new. Uh, we like to think that a lot of this stuff is classically derived, so maybe there's little of it that's oh, well, brand new. It,
1: yeah, and a lot of it will actually weave nicely into other uh, concepts that we've talked about oh, yeah. in prior shows. Yeah, sure. Um, and this show is all about what, Brian? Fill in the blank. What is it's it about? It's all
0: about happiness.
1: Yes, this episode is all about happiness it's brought to you by
0: happiness brought to you by happiness have you been feeling like something is missing happiness would like for you to give it a little bit of thought
1: <laughs> give it a try give it a whirl yeah
0: yeah you can pick it up anywhere out here
1: yeah and i'm really interested in the of course it's not just talking about happiness skipping through the daisies and petting a puppy this Those is this yeah they are good this is the psychology and the thinking behind Concepts about happiness, you know, because we're nerdy like that.
0: So it is a show about critical thinking. This is Critical Thinking for Everyone. My name is Brian Barnes. And my uh, name is Patty Payette. And her name is Patty Payette, I can confirm. And uh, we're here in the studio. We are coming at you from um, the Hayburn building. I think that's where we're broadcasting out of in yeah. downtown Louisville. Mm-hmm. We are on 106.5 FM WFMP Forward Radio. You can go to forwardradio.org and get information and most importantly, donate because you want to do that for sure. There's a big donate button there. Yeah. Uh, you can also get show times and things about the leadership at the station and you can sign up to be a leader yourself because it's community radio.
1: Yeah, we, we hope that you go and like click around and get to know what Forward Radio is about. We are coming up on our... Fifth anniversary, I want to say, this the spring station. of '22, yep. mm-hmm. and so I'm sure we're going to be celebrating um, in some special way, and we'd love to count you as a fan and yeah. a supporter. Yeah. And but just happy to have you listening to the show.
0: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And if you, for whatever reason, missed us, um, if this is not happening at our normal show times, which are uh, 5 p.m. on Thursday, midnight on Thursday night, and then 11 a.m. on Friday. Mm. Um, yeah. That's where you'd get us at 106.5 on the airwaves. Or forward radio streaming at forwardradio.org. That's right, streaming as yeah. well. Yep, mm-hmm. yep. Um, and you can get that anywhere. Mm-hmm. You could also get our old shows on SoundCloud. So you can go to SoundCloud, find forward radio, type in critical thinking for everyone. You can really just type in critical thingy forever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: So we hope that whether this is your first show or whether you have listened to a hundred and some of our episodes mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or anything in between, mm-hmm. um, we are here every week or every other week now, bringing new.
0: We're still here every week from their thinking. point of view. Yeah. 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 We're sure. kind
1: of rotating in some of our favorite shows
0: yeah. along with this Little new shiny thing. stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and so happiness.
0: I mean, if we hope that Forward Radio makes you happy. Yes. Probably critical thinking is a tougher lift to make you happy.
1: can go either way, yeah. Yeah, but, no can go but we want way. to be thinking about our thinking. Yeah, thinking about our thinking. So this show is the way that Brian and I get down out of the ivory tower from our work with critical thinking, and we roll up our sleeves, and we have fun helping anyone, anywhere, think about their thinking and have new tools and skills to use in your everyday thinking because the quality of your thinking is, the quality of your life is directly related to the quality of your thinking.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's true. And so um, anybody really could benefit from a little bit of thinking improvement, a little bit of thinking practice. What we like to say is a little bit of thinking about your thinking.
1: Well, I got to tell you, I had a real life critical thinking moment last week that I attributed to this show.
0: Whoa. Tell us about it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay.
1: So a friend of mine calls me.
0: Okay. Hey, friend.
1: And she says, Hey, I'm worried about this mutual friend. And I said, Why? And she said, Well, We haven't I haven't heard back from her. It's been about 48 hours and we were talking and she got, you know, cut off because she had to take care of something. But I've been texting her saying, hey, are you okay? What's going on? And, And at this point in the conversation or I'm sorry, this point in her week. It was about forty eight hours, and she hadn't heard back. Okay, I said, "Did you try calling her?" Uh-huh. Yes. Uh-huh. No, she's not answering. Okay, so I was like, "Well, you know, that is weird." I messaged her on Wednesday. It wasn't anything urgent, but you're right. I, I didn't hear from her, and and so we're talking, and I said, "You know, you know what? I got to tell you something. The last time." She kind of went MIA a little bit oh. with the phone. All right. I found out later she was gone for a whole week and she went out of town and forgot her phone. Oh wow. So, I just want you to know that that happened and so even though we we know that she didn't plan to go out of town, I, there could be another a, a similar explanation like that. Okay? I said that to my friend. I Good. said based on my history with this mutual yeah. friend. Yeah, yeah. So then what did she say? She said, "Oh, okay. Well, all right. But, you know, and then, you know, she was sort of, I could tell she was really worried. And I said, well, you know what? I'll tell you, let me, I'll reach out to her and I'll, again, today and see. And so I didn't hear anything. So around lunchtime, I, I reached out, I used social media. I reached out through social media. Okay. Okay. Well, um, uh, before I tell you what happened, I need to tell you that I could tell our friend was really worked up and worried that something terrible had happened. So what did I do? I, Put on my. Cri- I at first I was really worried, and I could tell my I was starting to like spiral a little bit with her. Like, oh, oh what is something bad? So what did I do? I stopped. Okay. Put my critical thinking hat, and you know what I did?
0: Uh, Occam's razor. Occam's razor. Yes, you cut her. You cut her. <laughs> Holy crap! This is a family show. <laughs> no. you can't have this kind of. Did, did anyone call the police? The
1: concept of Occam's razor. The concept. I use that concept. That critical you thinking. Use it concept. on your friend. <laughs> Can you tell people what the Occam's Razor is? I
0: don't. I can't. Okay. Occam's you better. I'm, I'm worried.
1: Occam's Razor is the premise that when you're trying to understand a phenomenon or a situation, or you know, cause and effect or what happened, the simplest explanation is often. The correct one,
0: okay. that the
1: fewer assumptions that you have to and things you have to leap to, okay. the more likely that that is the you have to start with the simplest explanation. So in this scenario, what would the simplest explanation be?
0: Violence. <laughs> Something violent happened. Come
1: on. What was the simplest explanation? Simplest explanation Basically.
0: was they this friend stopped liking you two. <sighs> I mean, that they just stopped talking to you. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that one. All right. So that's maybe simpler. What's the simplest? Well, I mean, according to your own, you know, history with this, it's about having left the phone.
1: Exactly. That she's separated from her phone. Yeah. Right. And it is not tied up in a basement somewhere. And the evildoer is. The phone like, tied up in the basement. Is, is, she's tied up in oh, the basement. Yeah. The evildoer's got her phone, is like, ha <laughs> ha, listening to it ring. I see and, we keep coming back to this violent,
0: this violent thing. Yeah. yeah. So, right. so,
1: based on, again, critical thinking, what did I use? I had some context okay. that I used to fill in. I used okay. Occam's. Or, okay. What, right, before we go to the most extreme example that she's been abducted or something terrible happened, the most prosaic sort of. <laughs> <laughs> likely thing is she's separated from her phone Just left the phone so i used Occupy to like go oh wait a minute right okay. like so then i put something on social media okay. three hours later oh hey hi i lost my phone and i've been trying to replace it which has been a nightmare
0: Ta-da. Nice work, critical thinking.
1: <laughs> so I just have to, when I wrote back to our mutual friend, said, hey, good news. You know, I heard back from her. She lost her phone. And and um, I said, I used Occam's razor. And she <laughs> she was not. You cut her? She was yeah. not, did not <laughs> seem to appreciate that. But I was so proud of myself for using critical thinking. So when she didn't emotion, appreciate
0: that you pointed out that it she, was a.
1: She didn't seem to. Yeah, she didn't. It wasn't impressive. It didn't, it didn't, it didn't, it didn't sort of bring her chimes, ah, well, you know, but yeah. that's okay. It, but you it, did it. I, I was so proud. That's So that's a real life example of how I started to spiral emotionally and went, wait a minute and use critical thinking to like pull back.
0: Got It all got back into, into order. Yeah. Well done. So what do you think? I think that turned out great. I mean, I think that sounds like uh, a really nice uh, way to sort of intervene with someone else's um, sort of uh, conspiratorial or otherwise, uh, sort of um, thinking that is kind of going out of control without any evidence. Exactly. Right? So no know, data. Because no there are data. all kinds of things that could be happening right. here, but we don't know any of them are happening.
1: Right. Yeah. We have no data to right. go right. from. Right. So uh, now, do you have a real life critical thinking? I'm putting you way on the spot here. Uh, do you have a real-life critical real thinking life critical example thinking of when example. it really pulled you out of the fire um, or that you could use in a scenario in your life, day-to-day
0: life? Um, you know, I one of the things that critical thinking helped me with was when I had a recent problem with my car. Okay. So when— when I think about my thinking, one of the exercises that we do with Richard Paul is to think about the thinking, right? And, you know, to what extent am I doing um, am I doing really good thinking here about this topic area? Right. Okay. And so one topic area where I, I traditionally have not done great thinking – is with my car. Really? Well, I end up mm. I end up doing things like saying, it'll be fine. Oh,
1: waving things away.
0: Yeah, I do a lot of that with my... Or historically, I've done a lot of that with my car. Now, what has happened in recent years is that I've stopped doing that because it became very costly at one point for me to kind of
1: Wave things away?
0: Well, for me to kind of be, go back and look at all the things I'd waved away, oh, right? Right.
1: It and adds up. Yeah, the Waving yeah. away adds up. And suddenly
0: up. I was like, whoa, this is a really expensive right. kind of repair thing. So so I went to um, – I, I, I started thinking about how expensive that was, and I started saying, okay, I'm just going to be a little bit better with the regular scheduled maintenance, right? Good. Which, since I had an old car, when I started doing that, Was also expensive. So it was like I was, I was doing, I was putting a lot of money into these cars going, "Ah, I don't really like this very much. And so I started to get recently, I started to get really tired of putting the money into the cars. Like I was like, this is, this is ridiculous. You know, I need to start thinking about getting another car, something like that. Or, or whatever, some other solution. Right? Just Justin Moggs out there going, just bike everywhere. Right.
1: Take the sure. bus. Right. Sure. Right. There is sure. a bus up in front of your house. I, I just need
0: to I know. I'm, I'm aware. Okay. I, I wish All the right. bus got there with <laughs> any kind of predictability. <laughs> anyway. Um, at any rate, so I, it, it snowed yeah. a little while ago and I had an accident. I in remember the snow. this. Yes. Yeah. And I, and I, I slid into a little <sighs> wall. And it didn't hurt my car except that it bent the tire back, like it bent the wheel back into the wheel well. Okay. And so it was rubbing against the car.
1: Sounds expensive, though. That sounds expensive.
0: Well, when I I got it separated from the wall and I started trying to drive it, it sounded expensive to me, too. And I started thinking, man, I'm not, it'll be fine. I'll just, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. And I'm driving it. I'm driving it for like a block. I'm like, this isn't fine. Like there's nothing, there's nothing okay about this at all. And, um, and so I ended up, I ended up just parking it and sending it to the mechanic. And there were some, there was still, you know, more money than I wanted to spend in terms of repairs, but a lot of the potentially really expensive repairs, I actually avoided just by saying to myself, you know, you shouldn't drive this. You know you shouldn't drive it. It doesn't matter how inconvenient it is right now. It's going to be worse later when the bill is triple or quadruple what it was going to be. And so traditionally, I would have just been like, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and drive it and it'll be fine.
1: It'll sound bad, but whatever. But whatever.
0: Yeah, that's probably not a big deal. Like maybe I'll have to replace a tire, you know. Right. And, um, you know, in this case, I was able to – I don't know. I mean, again, it was a little inconvenient, but I felt like I made a choice to be um, a little bit more – Bring patient, a little more, a little more maybe, critical
1: thinking. The implications, you. The implications, yeah. yeah because
0: yeah. I normally I don't I don't think about those very much okay. with the car, and okay. I just think it'll work out. But it, stuff's so expensive, I can't. I okay. Can't keep doing that.
1: So and so, you got it fixed, yep. right? Because yep. I saw it at your house, so that means you got it fixed. <laughs> mm-hmm. I know people are probably wondering, am I spying on him all the time? Because Stalk I keep talking about your house.
0: Yeah. Well, Patty lives folks, at one end of the block, and I live at the other
1: Yes, end. we are holding down critical thinking at both right. ends of the block. That's
0: right. We feel like our block is covered. Yeah. I we, can't speak for any other yeah, block.
1: Yeah, any emergencies, I'm like, okay, critical thinking emergency, who's closer to that part of the block, <laughs> Brian or me? And we'll run out and help.
0: Yeah, we run out with our thinking hats our on. Our neighbors we, love that when we right. do that.
1: They love it when we show up and like, hey, can I help you think this through?
0: Yeah. They love really that. That's really popular. <laughs> yeah, that's really popular. <laughs> i like, God, get out of here, you nosy son of a
1: <laughs> – So anyway, well, okay, so thanks for sharing that. Thanks for uh, – it's good when we can share with people and show that we're always learning critical thinking well, yeah. ourselves. And, yeah. of course, my dad, Tom Payette, would mm. be not happy to hear about your – car tendencies and he would be praising you for doing the right thing
0: thanks tom yeah i mean kudos i do appreciate that i yeah well and i think i think in my in my example i don't know about yours but in my example this really this really derives this habit derives from long experience of just not giving a
1: damn
0: right just a lot of this was a 500 hundred dollar car to start And so I really don't care, you know, and I'm not I'm I'm absolutely not going to put five hundred dollars into my five hundred dollar car. There's no chance. Right. And so I did a lot of that for a long time, walked away from a lot of crappy cars. Oh, just a bunch of bad bunch of cars just sitting there just like, well, get the license plate off that one and walk away, you know. And um, and so it's hard now. It's definitely a habit. Like it's absolutely an intellectual habit where I don't have. You know, I have respect for other people's stuff, but when it's my stuff, I'm often like, well, yeah. it'll, it'll be fine. Like if something happens or if I need to be a little rough with it, right. it's like, well, You're it's, like, uh, it's there some, to get the job done. Put
1: some duct tape on it and, and keep uh, driving. That's your MO.
0: That Well, that yeah, yeah. I've done yeah. a lot of duct tape, <laughs> duct tape repairs. My father is rolling his eyes uh, aggressively <laughs> right now with my duct tape repair jobs, but um, Critical thinking, even though sometimes it's a little complex to figure out exactly which part Mm. maybe you were looking at, like Patty brought up the implications of this or whatever, Um, there are certain tendencies like I'm going to slow down my thinking, I'm going to look at my thinking the same way I look at my reflection in the mirror – to try to assess it. I'm going to try to break it into parts. Um, Those kinds of things I'm doing all the time if I'm a critical thinker. And sometimes just with those habits alone, you end up going a little bit slower on the thinking and maybe backing off of a potentially impetuous decision like mine.
1: Right. And you know what? In both of the cases that we brought up, Mm. both cases we paused. Mm. There was a moment we caught our thinking. Yep, the train had left the station, and yep. we caught our thinking. Went, ah, 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 not so fast. Sure. So, so that's a good sign. That's yep. a and that's an important move. Yep. So, I
0: agree.
1: okay. Well, we are here to talk about happiness, and this research is so fascinating. And you are going to be my guinea pig. Mm. Okay. I wish
0: I could make a guinea pig sound, <laughs> but just but just assume I you understand. understand guinea pig I understand they're pretty are. quiet.
1: Yeah, they are pretty quiet. <laughs>
0: I mean, that might, that's my guinea pig impersonation. Oh, my impersonation. God. Wow. Okay. So, ready to roll.
1: Well, we hope you're all listening and wake now. Ah! Okay. Okay. That's Brian. I forgot. He is the sound effects division of this show. Ah! Uh, okay. Stop. All right. So the reason we're talking about work-life balance is because the pandemic has brought this topic into relief. Oh, man. And so you've heard of the Great Resignation?
0: I've heard of the, yes. great, the great Fresco.
1: Well, let's let's talk about this. the Great Resignation. What is the Great Resignation?
0: It's all these people deciding they don't want to work for this system.
1: Right. In the last year, just roll, tons just of out. people yeah. leaving. I'm out. Now, so the research and the observation Which observations, is crazy in a
0: capitalism. Yeah.
1: Woo! So So when you think about it, though, what does the pandemic – uh, and thinking about the observations that people are make like what caused the great resignation what is it that where are the light bulbs going on for people because of the pandemic that are prompting them to resign so just like from, based on again i'm asking you to do some inference here so what you're under you're, you you who has also lived through this pandemic what yeah. do you think has prompted some people to
0: well some things of course is that they've found alternative ways to achieve the necessary financial resources, you know, and in some cases that's meant just cutting back. In some cases that's meant, you know, thanks to the pandemic, they were able to get some little bits of stimulus or something like that some extra government money and they just were able to change their situation just a little bit such that they said you know what I don't need to do this work anymore right, right. I can okay. do I can find money other ways I can I'm comfortable relying upon others for resources in some cases I've changed my lifestyle such that that amount of money is no longer required right so okay. Those I'm, are, I'm yeah. just trying to I'm just trying to live a life where I'm not essentially having my labor stolen by a bunch of capitalists. I mean, that's what's happening, right? Because it's the same it's the same hour of work, right? I mean, you say, "Well, but I do high-level work in an hour." That's fine. But each of us does an hour of labor. Whatever that is, and what we end up saying very often is that the person who is at the entry level their hour of labor, as necessary as it is, because we need people doing all kinds of entry-level work, you know, customer-facing stuff, stocking stuff, service, whatever, those, we, we, we tend to say in our version of capitalism here today that the people who make that job work at the entry level, on average, their hour of labor is worth three hundred and eighty times less for that hour mm-hmm. than the person at the top of the company and we're not even talking about owners we're not talking about ownership we're talking about leadership right, right. so so owners of course if the person at the top of the company is an owner then maybe there's a case to be made for them having more okay. stake in here or something but for a lot of people When they're at the bottom of the ladder, they're feeling like they're not valued appropriately and they're finding ways to get out of that toxic system that makes me less than just because I'm doing this job as opposed to that job.
1: Right. Works for me. And if if you're in a, quote unquote, as you said, toxic system and you've Had to step out of it because of the pandemic, either like maybe you don't go into an office and you don't have a long commute and all of a sudden you're like, wow, my quality of life is so much better or so the pandemic could have shifted the way you spend your time or the way you, your job functions or the way you show up for work. Sure. So all these people are now saying, sure. I'm not willing to, yeah. to, to spend my life, right? It's given them a pause, a pause button. So, so what that's done is, again, all these people are leaving, and it's sort of precipitated these conversations about quality of life and what makes people happy. And this research, which is from uh, this website, The Big Think, that I really like, um, is some really interesting research about what makes you happy because it really challenges some of the assumptions that people have that – Oh, if I just, you know, quit my job and get to decide my own day,
0: yeah. that's gonna make me happy. Well, right? I mean I mean there are worse things.
1: Yeah, there are definitely. <laughs> so they they want to they want to when talking about the work-life balance, I say one of the keys is a question of why we work. Like the meaning and purpose behind your work is a is a big part of it. So again, sometimes the pandemic has forced people to step back and go is this, you know, this is not how I want to spend my my time. So, they talk about two different types of happiness. You might be familiar with this. This is from psychology, but it's rooted, it's you a lot of the research about happiness and these concepts is rooted in psychology, but it comes from it has some philosophical foundations.
0: Just like everything. Just Oh, my God. Spoken <laughs> like a true philosopher. I mean, the truth wow. is sometimes just right there. Wow. It's just sometimes on the surface of the conversation. Wow. You can't avoid it. <laughs> wow. Um, so there's. do you know what the two types of
1: happiness are that we're going to talk about?
0: Big happiness and bigger
1: happiness. <laughs> we're talking about Hedon, is it hedonic? Is that how you say hedonic, it? Hedonic, yeah. Hedonic and eudaimonic? Is that how you say the second uh, one?
0: I usually say eudaimonic.
1: Eudaimonic. So hedonic and eudaimonic. Those are yeah. the two types. Okay.
0: Yeah, hedon in Greek is pleasure, ah. and eudaimonia is ecstatic, pleasure. Whoa, wow, I'll
1: take the ecstatic pleasure. I tell you, you, yeah, well, well,
0: and and it's not ecstatic pleasure in the sense of like joy, joy, like mind altering ecstatic pleasure. It's it's the kind of high quality, um, long term living in happiness. Got it. Like that's. That's what it's trying to get at. Okay. Yeah.
1: So the way in this article, which I'm kind of flipping between these two articles, this other article is by Cynthia Vinny, and it's from Thought Company. I talk about the two different types. Oh, yeah. So company. so one way to think about the difference is hedonic is like pleasure and enjoyment. Sure. Right? Yeah. It's so that's really like, surface
0: level. Yeah. Yep.
1: But it's it's very much that, that like, if you think of hedonism, right? Yep. It's very much that, like, oh, I want to I wanna go and, like, party and, and have some really nice wine and kick it up with my friends and mm-hmm. right so mm-hmm. that… Ice cream. Or ice cream.
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> ice cream.
1: Or um, they say eudaimonic is the um, ex- uh, happiness comes through experiences of meaning and
0: purpose.
1: That's where that depth or that richness that you Absolutely, talk about, yeah. right? Yeah, because it if I kind of feeds yeah. your soul, it's the yeah. kind of happiness that feeds your soul. Fair?
0: Yeah, yeah. I think that the way that I'm often, the way that I was introduced to eudaimonia was, um, you know, as a philosophy student, was the idea that it was one of the goals of human life. Like, like if you talk to somebody like Aristotle, like it's the goal of human life, um, because what we, because when you start talking about what makes a life a good life right. as opposed to a bad life? Right. For Aristotle, one of the really important criteria was that you would be able to look – a person would be able to look back on their life as a body of work and, and utter the statement, this was a happy life. Aww. Like this has been a happy – I've been Aww. happy. Right? right, as opposed to not. And if for Aristotle, if you say not, you blew it. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter how famous you are. But it was the. But it was this eudaimonic stuff. It
1: was this rich.
0: That's yeah, because that's happiness. because it's it's consistent over time. Everybody's going to have the down times. Right, you're
1: Everybody's not going to be drunk twenty four seven. Is that right? good or bad?
0: <laughs> Wait a minute. No, what, was I'm the, what was the question? The, yeah. the hedonism, right? Oh, you're yeah. not
1: going to be at this high level of pleasure and happiness all the time. It's This other one is the one that you work for. You earn and you
0: strive. Well, the other thing is, for Aristotle at least, I mean, I'm just using Aristotle because he uses both these terms. Um, You know, for him, the, the hedonic motive is it's not sustainable. Because as you mentioned, you know, there are limits to the individual pleasures that I would be able to have. You can't maintain Hedonism, right. right? What you have to do is have a complex view of passions and pleasures and goals, such that you're going to end up with the long um, evaluation of life, right?
1: Right. the the You're in it for the long game. You're not just in. Yeah. A, was that was today an, the best day of my life, or is it's more of the Bigger view.
0: Well and, and it's the kind of thing it's the kind of thing, frankly, I mean just as an example, when somebody comes up and offers you something that's too good to be true, mm. if you have kind of a longer view of happiness, it's easier to say, I'm okay. Like I'm just not that doesn't sound right to me and I don't I don't think I need it, so I'm just going to move on. Whereas mm. someone who's very much in the moment-to-moment, looking for the new pleasure, right. you know, trying to find that next thing, I mean, right. yeah, that, that, that's worth the risk.
1: Those are the people when the bank says, hey, if you open an account, you get this free tote bag. Those are the people who go, I need that tote bag. I, need, yeah. I must have that tote yeah, bag. Yeah, boy, that is and a they sharp don't, tote bag. And they don't, but they don't really need it, though. Of course not. <laughs> but they want that bag? high of like, I got the free tote
0: bag. Yeah, but did you see? Yeah, you got some overdraft <laughs> fees, but did you see the tote bag?
1: <laughs> Which reminds me of when my kids were little and they would want to go to McDonald's to get the Happy Meal, mm. to get the toy. And mm. it would just be like, must have that toy, da-da-da-da. we'd go through the... To McDonald's and or the drive-through, and they'd get the meal, and they get the toy, and they, and they eat their, you know, and then like thirty minutes later, we get home, and I open the car door, and the toys are just like <laughs> left on the floor of the car.
0: The momentary and, pleasure,
1: yeah. And yeah. I remember thinking, how yeah. American, right? Just sure. to like, oh, yeah. I want the shiny, pretty thing, and then oh, a few minutes later, one hundred
0: percent. Um, what's
1: the next thing? One hundred percent. So, yeah. so, yeah. so, Eris, that is the hedonism, and so the way she described. Aristotle's view of eudaimonic, to, to pick up on what you were yeah. saying, is one should live life, their life, in accordance with their virtues. Sure. He claimed people, this is Aristotle, he claimed people are constantly striving to meet their potential and be their best selves, which leads to greater purpose and meaning.
0: Well, I mean, Maybe? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Maybe? Well, I mean, the thing is when you say living according to your virtues, that has to be qualified because if you recall from our earlier conversations about Aristotle, Aristotle says we pick our virtues based upon our goals in society. Right. So we decide what those are. And he has suggestions about what good virtues would be, for example, if you're trying to thrive in ancient Athens. Right? right. But he recognizes that if you're in a different place with different cultural values, some of those virtues would probably be different. And so you have to have enough intellectual discernment to be able to figure out which of those virtues to follow. It's not like I just follow virtues. Got it. I have to also select them. and If I select the wrong virtues, I'm not going to have good life.
1: OK. Fascinating that you should bring that up because there is a third school of thought. Now, well, it's not really a th- separate school of thought from hedon hedonism or you you eudaimonic happiness but it's this um other sort of perspective on happiness called well-being okay? okay psychological well-being which is about self-actualization right so that's a little bit different because it's— I it's, mean I think it
0: just depends on what you mean because if yeah. i say, if i if i pick my own virtues and then and then live my life according to them i would say I'm self actual
1: right but um what my point is that this theory, which is by um this psychologist named uh I'm trying to find the name dener d d e d i d i e n e r he actually says that there are six I don't want you to look because I want you to guess oh I'm not yeah sorry value six self actualization sort of Values or virtues, okay? Because if Aristotle's like, well, you got to be able to discern the virtues for this context, they're saying sort of in modern day, quote unquote, modern day psychology, yeah, well being is made up of six constructs. All right, so let me see if you can guess what do you think? Just those six they're they're espousing.
0: So are they? So they're like character traits? Is that? What they uh, are? yes,
1: character traits or um qualities that you strive for. Yeah. Okay. I mean, so would, what do you think? Would
0: like empathy be one?
1: Um, nope. Yeah. Well, positive connections to others. I okay. put that yeah. under there. Right. Okay. What about like,
0: so I guess trying to achieve your goals somehow yep. or the other self uh, or ma-
1: No, mastery. They have mastery, yeah, Oh, so it's that's, one of But them. that's
0: about self-development, right, as opposed to achieving right. goals? Right. Well, they have
1: personal growth is one of oh. the things, okay. personal growth. Okay, self-acceptance. Okay, that's another one. Autonomy, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: personal purpose in life. Okay, and uh, okay, I've already said positive connection to others. So the idea is that this is sort of taking on. This is sort of trying to define having some kind of a a well-being recipe. Um, See, but
0: that's what. But I mean, Aristotle does that with his virtues because he says like four of them. He yeah. thinks you always need, if you're going to be a human being, living with other human beings. Okay. So he thinks, like, you always need wisdom. You always need courage. You always need friendship ah. um, and, you know, like, in, like both to be a right. friend and to have friends. Right. Um, and you also need um, temperance, the ability to moderate your actions, whatever okay. they might be, for purposes. And he thinks that these are core for human beings thriving in anytime Anywhere. they're dealing with other humans. Okay. But then you'd have more of them in the context of society. Oh, hey. And if you're an Aristotle nerd and I got something wrong just there, go ahead and hit us up, Critical Thinking for Everyone on Facebook. It's for you, friends. Thanks for listening to the show. Like, it society-specific stuff. So it sounds like some of that is pulling it is in a similar pile yes the the, the piles bleed over there
1: but it sounds like that philosophers and psychologists according to this article have really the idea of these two forms of happiness are really have really um been have some longevity in in terms of philosophical thought and different people taking their spin at it oh yeah and what this author basically says is actually we need both we need we we need both in life or that we should st- we should try to have a life that has both types of happiness.
0: Oh, I see. Well, I mean, I guess. I mean, I guess we want I guess we want I don't know, do we want does does eudaimonic see in my view, eudaimonic happiness does not exclude hedonic happiness.
1: Right. Okay. Like they would be
0: individual instances. So there might be
1: a little bit of an artificial barrier or artificial dichotomy between. Well, I mean, it could just be
0: it could just be that the psychologists are just cribbing from the philosophers like they've always done, (laughs) and um, maybe (laughs) you you know maybe maybe we just need contemporary interpretations Uh, of this stuff. If anybody'd like to fight me about that, you can reach out to me on Facebook. (laughs) at critical thinking for everyone.
1: Oh man! All right. So one study by um, this this uh, psychologist, Henderson, and I'm trying to look up the person's name here sure. so I can give you the full... Oh, Henderson. Luke Henderson, Tess Knight, and Ben Richardson. In 2013, they did a study, and they found that in a study of both hedonic and eudaimonic behaviors, hedonic behaviors increase positive emotions and life satisfaction and help regulate emotion while reducing stress, depression, that kind of thing. Uh-huh. Meanwhile, eudaimonic behavior led to greater meaning in life and more experiences of elevation, feeling of one, you know, of, of moral virtue, a feeling of um, of so that so they kind of like say having both mm-hmm. types mm-hmm is part of a health that can be part of a healthy life. Well it's, right? it's, it
0: sounds like they're making a distinction in in taking the eudaimonic to this sort of high level place where it's maybe longer term goals and stuff like that and more um you know systemic approaches or something like that as opposed to you know I just want to eat this cake or something like that. I mean
1: Right. And they say but there are times I get a where a I of eating the cake though. Yeah. Well, and they say there are times where maybe you're just like, eh, I just need to sit down and enjoy a piece of cake. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so so I just kind of want to explore a little bit how you and I operationalize happiness in our own lives and the ch- choices we make. I know when I'm faced with, let's say, how do I want to spend my weekend or what do I want to do yeah. with my vacation? Um, I want to have a balance of things where I'm I'm working or what they call um, experiential happiness. Actually, this article talks about another form of happiness, which is experiential, which at the extreme end, it's things like I'm going to go live in the ice hotel for three nights or I'm going to write like. But how's that not how's
0: that not hedonic?
1: Well, this is a little bit different because it's it is it's hard. It's there's a there's a kind of harshness or a kind of work involved in that experience so it's not f- just pleasure right like doing a polar bear plunge where you're like freezing uh-huh. is is what they would describe as both is, is experiential happiness where someone might say well I'm not it's not fully pleasurable there's some work and some some discomfort involved but I'm gaining from this experience I'm I'm really yeah. so so they're they're, they're I'm just saying she's pointing to another construct. Called I'm just not I'm just saying I don't
0: goodness. I don't know that that's very different as a construct. I don't know if it adds anything. It seems like it could really be I mean it just seems like if I'm experiencing I mean so I'm just thinking of like um you know playing a video game. Yeah. There I mean, might be things you have to learn and you maybe have to put a quarter in it. And there might yeah. be all kinds of different um challenges to it like maybe you had to save money or something to buy it i mean it strikes me that some of these would would also fall into the category of experiential even though the experience i'm ultimately getting is playing a video yeah, game. yeah
1: i mean yeah i think there's some grayness between here and, and ultimately i think the individual kind of needs because like What brings you a kind of hedonic, like, I just want to play this video game? Maybe Mm -hmm. for you that – maybe for someone else that's more like, oh, man, I I that is not pleasurable for me. Mm -hmm. So part of this is an individual needs to decide. Sure. And and like I was saying, when I'm faced with vacation or downtime or leisure time, I'm interested in activities that are somewhat eudaimonic, but I also Mm -hmm. want some pleasurable – Hedon, he Hedonism in my in my leisure time. I want a a mix of both, and sure. it seems like you you kind of do that too.
0: Well, I mean, for me, I, I don't. I mean, I just wouldn't. I, I mean, I I guess but, this kind of a distinction. These kinds of distinctions are helpful in some regard. For me, they they just blend so strongly because I don't want to do things that are hedonic that are going to upset my long-term sense of what's going to be you know bring happiness or pleasure long term right so i mean it, it seems to me that you know if we're doing this in some thoughtful way right maybe we end up with our hedonic actions supporting our eudaimonic goals
1: yeah, I mean, absolutely. You, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I don't know that people, I guess what I'm saying is, I don't think people, like, I don't consciously go, okay, now what are my hedonistic goals here, right? How do I, no, it's more of like where we natural, where we find ourselves compelled to in, like what enjoyment of life looks like for us. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. a lens that we can go, oh, well, that's why when I go on vacation, someone someone else might be like, I want to spend six hours lying on the beach. And yeah. The other person's like, I don't want to spend six hours lying on the beach. I want to be scuba diving or I want to be, you know, um, learning about the history of culture. And, you know, I want to. And so there's just a different a different ways that we can understand how we make choices that bring us pleasure. Yeah. And 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 happy the things that we do to, to- just purely out of what will bring me the greatest happiness. Now, there is something called, that I want you to know about, called the hedonic treadmill. Have you heard about this?
0: The hedonic treadmill. Have you heard about this? Do they have this at the gym?
1: (laughs) No, it's just you carry it around with you. Oh, my Lord. Here's what it is. Okay. People have a baseline of happiness that they return to no matter what happens in their life. Mm. Thus, despite spikes in pleasure and enjoyment when one has a hedonic experience— such as going to a party, eating a delicious meal, or winning an award, the novelty soon wears off and people return to their typical levels of happiness, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So they're saying there's – but but that level of happiness, this is really fascinating, varies. Yeah, right. Right? Yeah, sure. And so they say there's actually research about what's called a happiness set point. And they, this one psychologist, Sonia Lubomir, Lubomirsky, she outlined three components that contribute to the set point. This is so interesting. According to her calculations, 50% of an individual's happiness set point is determined by genetics. Another 10% is the result of circumstances that are outside of your control, like where you're born or who your parents are. Mm -hmm. 40% of one's happiness set point is under their control. Thus, while we can determine how happy we are to a certain extent, over half of our happiness is determined by things we can't
0: change. Well, I mean, maybe, but I, I would be very interested to see what that research is. I mean, that just strikes yeah. me as incredibly reductive.
1: It, it, it is. I mean, I mean just staggeringly. reductive. Yeah.
0: Like, I mean, like, Let's look at her research. Well, we should, I think, yeah. because the idea that 50% of my <laughs> happiness is determined by genetics, yeah. what in the hell could that mean? <laughs> I don't even know what that means. And if it's the case that half of my happiness is determined by things that I can't control, then how do we know – how do we ever know which halves? Well – I mean is it all – like can we ever know in the moment or is it all retrospective? I don't know. I think – I find
1: this fascinating and I think we should look at her research.
0: We can look at it. I'm skeptical as I can be.
1: But I – even though I'm skeptical too, I really love this idea that – that there are – the way we show up in life, our personalities, are we a glass half full, right? We've all known the glass half full people. Sure. We all know glass half I'm, – I'm a glass half full person. Sure, sure. And so we all know people who are not. And so the, the idea that there's sort of a baseline where we all – a comfort zone where we all kind of live – and our happiness, sort of like day to day without those like spikes of like, woo, something, you know, won the lottery or whatever. They're saying there's like a, a set point. And for me, that actually helps kind of explain, again, this idea of such variability in how people show up for the and interpret different events. The same event refracted through different people and how they sort of read it or take it in and make meaning of it. I find that so fascinating.
0: Yeah. No, it's interesting stuff for sure. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm curious about the ways that this changes when you sort of take into account the choices that we make and how they end up setting us up for future success, right? So – is it the case that I, <clears throat> that we measure that my happiness is half, um, you know, uncontrolled by me? Right. Is that the case after I've already bought the house in the neighborhood? Where now I'm influenced by all the neighborhood right. factors and all this. Was that, the, was that the thing that then led to so much of my future happiness being set, kind of, because of the environment that I chose to put myself in? Or is it the sort of thing where um, every time I make a decision, that decision creates like a whole new equation, um, that she's measuring, as opposed to just falling back on, here are the factors that are stable, like the other neighbors in the neighborhood. Yeah,
1: it's fa- like fascinating questions, fascinating hmm. questions, hmm. and 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 um, she said, yeah. So I'd be interested to look at her research on that.
0: Yep. We'll but look. I
1: really, I really love the idea of this hedonic treadmill mm. and that there's a sort of natural set point at where we sit mm-hmm. and and again how we experience life and um, it, it, it kind of reminds me of that book happy money remember we did a story on that mm-hmm. and and they talked about that you know when you get like that new car or that new house or that new whatever fill in the blank, that after a while that it normalizes like the the feeling you don't you don't get that burst of joy and happiness anymore and so one of the things you can do is try to be more intentional and actively cultivate like wow i like you know so i'll give you an example in my own life so last fall i went to the saint james art fair yeah and i bought this painting oh okay and i don't usually really just go and buy like a really lovely painting. It was it was some money on this painting. Not mm-hmm. not outrageous, mm-hmm. but certainly not, you know, fifty dollars, right? It was okay. and I just love this painting. And I would find myself like catching it out of the corner of my eye and going, Wow, and just taking a moment and it just like wow, I really love this painting. Like it would just bring me, that's when people say, you know, buy art that makes you happy or mm-hmm. do things that, you know, that make, that are speak to you. So I found myself, I'd be walking by it or I'd spend maybe a whole week living in my house and not even noticing. It. And then I would look at it again and I would just feel the happiness and pleasure of it. And that's I was nice. like, yeah. And I was like, wow, that's kind of what happy, happy money is about. Like I've invested in something that I wanted to have in my life to bring me happiness. And so I have to take a moment to be intentional. So I'm not just like, you know, walking past it from one task to another, but I'm like, wow, I really love this painting. It Mm. really makes me feel good Good. when I look at it. And so that's a way you can actually put more pleasure and happiness in your life by A, appreciating things that you already have and taking a moment to just reframe this was on the show last night or yesterday on hidden brain on, okay. on npr mm-hmm. and they gave this the stoic strategy where you imagine you don't have something
0: yeah
1: like imagine sure you don't have that new car or imagine that your wonderful neighbor isn't living there anymore and you for that moment you experience that loss
0: sure
1: because then that moment goes oh now i revalue that thing sure. that i imagined that i didn't have cuz we all get just normalizing those things and we don't actively appreciate that sure. so so anyway they were just talking about that and it's very much related to this idea that's cool so hmm. so what do you do when you need to cultivate a little happiness in your life like how do you how do you what does that look like for you um
0: What does that look like for me? That usually involves me um, doing something that I just need to do for myself. Just for you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I usually do whatever it is alone, like if it's um, like exercising or if I just need to run some errands or if I need to – just take a break and just sit. I mean, I just – I tend to cultivate happiness for myself. I tend to do things alone. Now, that's not to say that I don't get a lot of happiness out of doing things with others. But if it's – if I'm feeling like I'm at a deficiency, then I tend to just do something that I know that I'll enjoy on my own. Again, like – I mean, it's – and it's usually – my favorite yes. I think is probably reading. Mm. But I rarely get to do that. Like I'm I find that it's it's really hard to to put myself in a position where I'm going to be able to read just for pleasure. And so <clears throat> whenever I do that's um that's kind of a big Um, a big boost for me. Like, not only do I enjoy what I'm reading, I enjoy the fact that I'm reading, right, that I'm able to sit and do that. Um, And the same... Yeah, and the same is true of things like exercise and stuff like this. It just seems like um, as much as I want to have... An illusion of control over my life—it seems like I—I I don't, right? There are just so many things that you know. There's a schedule, right, that has to be dealt right, with you, all the time. Yeah,
1: and you also have the kind of te- job teaching where. It's you're, you know, in the evenings and the weekends. Right. It's my job is a little more compartmentalized. Right. Mm -hmm. And you so you so you really got to actively find carve out those times to to, for yourself. And And what I try
0: what I try to do, of course, way more importantly, and I'm sure I've mentioned this on the show in the past. I mean, way more importantly is I just try to I just try to live a life that I don't really need to take a vacation from.
1: Yeah, you have talked about that. Yeah, Yeah. I I feel
0: like it's important to just cultivate happiness in the daily schedule. And so I don't feel as much burnout as I used to feel because my day-to-day existence is not one that I feel like I really should be trying to escape. Well, but I've certainly been there before. Yeah,
1: so. and on that note, they actually have done some research about the the optimal balance between activity and leisure. And guess what the number of hours of leisure where there's a tipping point where there's a certain number of hours in a day like they've actually calculated certain number of hours in a day where you are that are unconstructed and at your leisure like if you go beyond that it actually goes into like Oh my God! I'm I don't. What am I? What? Why am I getting up in the morning? What am I doing here? Mm-hmm. What guess? What would you think? Number of hours. Leisure?
0: Oh, yeah, man. before
1: like. Before it's like too much leisure. Six
0: hours of leisure. Actually,
1: you're close. It's five. Five. It's five. Yeah. That's what they found. And they said, yeah. you know, again, when you think of now and Lent for many people when they retire, they actually get a second career or another job because unstructured time and too much. There is something they actually found in the research of too much leisure mm. before people mm. say, eh, this is too too much too not enough structure i need more mer- meaning purpose direction i think that's also, and that that feeds the happiness no I, 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 I can have, see how it yeah. would
0: yeah i can i think some people probably can tolerate more yeah. more leisure
1: they did this really interesting study too where they had a group of people sitting in a waiting room and they said okay here's your choice you can the what you need to do is gonna happen in 15 minutes so you can either sit here for 15 minutes Or some of you can walk for 15 minutes, and when we get to this other location, you're going to do the activity. So sit or walk. And so most people actually chose – guess which one they chose? To walk. No. Most people chose, eh, I'm good. I'm just going to sit here. Really? But when they measured their satisfaction and Mm. happiness, the people who actually walked reported a higher level of happiness.
0: Hmm. That activity. The sitting sitting there wouldn't be – Yeah,
1: right. Exactly. So they're saying there's like a perfect blend between busyness and leisure. They're they're trying to, you know, the research shows that there's this this work life balance that there's actually a now I know um, for me personally, when I start to um, be unhappy or like feel like is when I have been going and going and going and I haven't stopped and like you I love to read that's a big renewing activity for me Mm. so if I'm like wow I haven't sat down and and like read the paper in two day two or three days I'm like whoa that's right there I'm like whoa that is a sign for me like not you're overdoing it too much in the work category need to do more of the leisure Mm. so I have things like that that I just become markers for me when I'm like nope Hmm. Need to need to get that balance back, you know. Yeah, it's
0: interesting. It's interesting. I, I tend to, um, in terms of a marker, what I've found is that I, it, it really is for for me anyway. It's really is a function of like physical activity because if I find myself with free time, I'll often do something physical. Um, if just left to my own devices, right. And so if I don't have a lot of free time, I often don't do very much physical. And so after weeks. Of of that, of just not really having, the the, the time. like the physical outlet and the yeah yeah, yeah. I start to f- literally feel bad like my body feels, icky. Well, parts of it like 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 my back starts to hurt and my um, some of my joints start to hurt and stuff like that. It just seems like it just seems like if I can get regular useful activity. Then I don't experience those negative physical symptoms, and the only thing that really seems to help—I mean, this has been my whole life, sort of—on right. on, the cycle. The only thing that really seems to help is like go exercise, like go do something that's physical I, I and, love and start that. and start doing those things again. Like, like, like it'll take a few, maybe it'll take a couple of weeks to like start, like for Get, my body to just feel okay again, right? That's but really a lot of times it's it's not because I'm sitting in a chair too much or you know not taking enough time to. To do the well, I admire
1: stuff. how you work your workouts into your your weekly schedule. I, I oh, admire how nice. you do that. I'm I'm pretty good at it. You I'm are? I'm yeah. I'm not like perfect, but I'm pretty good because like you, if I go too many days without working out or enough exercise, I just ugh, it's yeah. it's, it's, it's doesn't feel good. So right. Right. and for me, actually sitting and watching TV or watch, like a passive thing, I does not that's not really feel leisurely for me. Mm-hmm. Right? It's not like a little bit of that Mm -hmm. but not much. And and, in eight times out of ten if I choose between reading or like watching something, no matter how, I'm always gonna pick reading. Mm -hmm. I'm always gonna pick that sort of quieter thing i don't know i think i used to i I used to watch a lot more tv back in the day well i think
0: we used to be encouraged to watch a lot more
1: yeah i think we were too and uh so and we hope that listening to this podcast brings a lot of pleasure to people
0: oh yeah you know yeah yeah put it on when you're doing other pleasurable things and you might magnify or multiply that that
1: yeah when i'm baking i'm listening to a podcast When I'm, that's usually when I'm like working around the kitchen, that's when I really enjoy having a podcast to listen to. Oh, cool. So,
0: well, we hope that you are able to uh, identify some pleasurable things for yourself this week. And uh, we hope that uh, this discussion of various kinds of pleasure has been positive and useful for you. And uh, as you go through your week, we hope that you really think about. Um, what's gonna bring you a good life and uh, try to think about maybe if you have a little extra time think about what kind of steps you might take in order to bring that into reality Um, that's something the critical thinking can always do and it's one of the reasons why critical thinking is for everyone even you have such a challenge I will donate $50 for every person who can beat Justin Mogg in racquetball I tell you what this guy is a monster on the racquetball court and if you can make it happen it's an easy way to get 50 bones into the forward radio coffers I'm telling you you talk about the athletic connection we were mentioning earlier Justin Mogg and I play all the time and he should get out there he should get a little more competition reach out to him at Sustainability Now and play racquetball with this man. I'll tell you what, you'll be glad you did. That stuff's for everyone. Okay, okay, tennis is fine too. Just let me know what happens.